Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are chatting with my good friend, Coach David Mathis. So David was on the podcast way back in 2019 when I first started it, and I believe we talked about reverse dieting then, but we are revisiting the topic of reverse dieting because there have been some... There's been some conversation about reverse dieting not being necessary. So I wanted to discuss this further since I've been promoting a reverse diet ever since I started coaching. So, you know, way back in 2016. So we discuss what a reverse diet is and David actually likes to refer to it as a health restoration phase because reverse dieting is a little bit confusing, just the terminology. And then we talk about the unexpected benefits of reverse dieting because it truly is not just about increasing your calories. Now, as we dive into these unexpected benefits and the true benefits, if you ask me, That leads us into a deeper conversation on what nutrition coaching really is and why it's more than just macro adjustments and getting clients or you to weigh a certain number or look a certain way. So I know you're going to love this episode. Like I said, because David is such an amazing coach, I wanted to talk about the reverse dieting, but... Any good coach is going to take you deeper, and that's exactly where we went. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am here again with Coach David Mathis, and it's probably been three years since we chatted on the podcast. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you asked me to come on again, and I was was like, was it was it during COVID? Was it before COVID? I think it was pre-COVID. I think it was 2019. Yeah. So it's been a little over three years, that's for sure. But thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. So what we want to talk about today is we want to revisit reverse dieting. I actually just had the pleasure of seeing David in person um, in Tampa. I went and visited his company who he works for, Team BioLane, and he gave a great presentation on reverse dieting. It was so thorough. It was absolutely amazing. And some new conversations have been coming up regarding reverse dieting. I get these questions from clients and I've always been a big fan of reverse dieting. That's really what changed. Honestly, David, that is the best thing I ever did for my relationship with food and the best thing I've ever done for my physique. Mm -hmm. So um, before we dive into all that, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah. Um, well, uh, coach for team BioLane. I was the first, uh, the original <laughs> first ever coach for team BioLane when yeah. we started, I don't know, it's been about six years ago now. Uh-huh. Um, have a master's in exercise science from the university of South Florida, where I got to study under the do- uh, great Dr. Bill Campbell and, and Dr. Sam Buckner, um, as well as a few other ones as well. Um, I was an army combat medic, and uh, served a tour over in Iraq in 2010 and 11. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I got almost two year old at this point when we're doing this uh, this podcast now, and uh, just big outdoor enthusiast, horse lover, animal lover, you name it. So I love it. Just an all around great guy. I just I I love you so much. I love all the content that you put out there. And you know, before we dive into this. You know, I mentioned relationship with food. I know that you, in the previous podcast, we talked about a little bit your past relationship with food. Can you just give us a little like highlight of the struggles that you went through? Yeah, um, actually, I, I, I don't want to say like I got sick of talking about it because that's not the right word, but I ended up just deciding during COVID to write a book about it just to yeah. try to help more people. So I wrote a book about it, um, but basically you know, growing up, a typical American childhood, you know, sports, all this stuff, never thought much about food or, you know, I was always just active and I just ate what I wanted. But, you know, during, uh, after college and kind of getting into the military and stuff, I started kind of developing, um, some OCD and, uh, eating disorder and, and nearly lost my life because of it. I was in the ICU for, weeks, (laughs) weeks, <laughs> uh, which is all detailed in the book. And, um, you know, it really stemmed from a lot of 
personal inner struggles that I was not coping with properly and used food and exercise compulsion as a way of dealing with that um, or not dealing with it, however you want to look at it. Right. And uh, it got me into some, some really muddy waters and um, took a long time to get a lot of help, really kind of do a lot of personal digging as to what was the core root of the issue. Right. Because a lot of people want to say, oh, I have an issue with food or I have an issue with exercise or, or this or that. No, those are the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. You, your issue is something else, probably mm-hmm. more likely than not. It's probably a deep rooted issue and something you might not even know, something that you might need therapy to try to dig out. And I sure did. Um, I needed years of therapy to try to figure it out, yeah. um, but overcame it. I've always been interested uh, from a young age in nutrition and training just from a pretty much like an athletic standpoint, because I was a baseball player, basketball player, track, you name it, I played it. Mm -hmm. Um, Started kind of getting more into bodybuilding, hypertrophy stuff in college. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of went out the window when I joined the army, because everything was just so running and endurance based and push-ups and all this stuff. Um, but I always really enjoyed lifting. I just wasn't really actively trying to bodybuild during that time. And I was also dealing with that other stuff. So, you know, over-exercising and under-eating doesn't really lead much to uh, great muscle growth. It sure doesn't. Uh, so, you know, been educating myself for a long time, but it really took me getting healthy and figuring out how to cope with the issues I was coping with. And I kind of turned things around. I used my struggle, um, went back to school to educate myself some more so that I could try to help people avoid some of the many, many pitfalls that I've uh, undergone in. I mean, I started training with weights probably around 14, just kind of messing around, you know, with the YMCA after I played basketball, Mm -hmm. I'm 30, almost 39. So you're talking 25 years. Um, I've gone through a lot of things that I, I wish people didn't have to go through. Mm -hmm. So that kind of got me into my coaching journey. And then I connected with Lane um, who I'd followed for years before that, but Dr. Campbell um, kind of connected the two of us. And I, I just started off as an intern with Lane. Um, you know, work, did that for about a year, kind of learned coaching and, and went over case studies with him and his clients and learned the business of coaching. Mm-hmm. And then uh, started throwing some clients my way that, you know, couldn't afford his prices. And I was just taking on clients to try to build up my, my portfolio. Yeah. And uh, little by little, just over the years, you know, it wasn't an overnight success by any means. I'm still nowhere near where I want to be, mm-hmm. um, but just little by little kind of, kind of got to where I am now. So, yeah, no, I love it. And I love um, you sharing that your story because it's not just women who are under eating. I talk to men every single day. Like I'll run into someone at the gym and they'll be like, Hey Kylie, um, here's, here's my macros right now. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? Do you know that every single one of my female clients eats more than you? Like, oh yeah. And I'm oh, not saying they have, have issues people. with food necessarily, but men don't eat enough as well. I'll have people, you know, send me an inquiry form for coaching and I'll get on a consultation with them and I'll, I'll explain to them the very topic that we're about to get into. And they're like, really? Like, I need that. I'm like, let me put this clearly for you. I've had bikini competitors, not on as low a calories as you are. Okay. And then that's like, like that. Oh shit moment. Right. Like, okay, let's hear what this guy has to say. Right. Uh So I don't like to use that. Like, I don't like to, to throw out that, but sometimes reality needs to smack you in the face. So yeah, so true. Well, yeah, that's the perfect segue. So, you know, since we're going to be talking about reverse dieting, I don't want to spend a ton of time on what it is because I've talked about it a lot. You and I have talked about it, but in case someone's coming to us and they're brand new, how would you define and describe a reverse diet? Yeah. And, and, um, actually during the presentation was kind of the first time I had publicly presented it the way I did, but I've really started kind of calling it more of a health restoration phase. Yep. Um, reverse dieting is con- is a confusing term for people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like an oxymoron, right? Like you're not yeah. dieting, you're adding calories. But really the premise of it is whether or not you've been restricting calories for a long time and your metabolic rate has lowered or you've had years of yo-yo dieting and 
grown hormones off, your metabolic rate's all, all messed up. Um, it's basically a phase where we are trying to get your internal environment healthy again. Okay. So this typically involves increasing calories over a period of time. This isn't a, a, a quick thing. This isn't like, you know, you can go into a fat loss phase and do 12 week fat loss and see pretty good results. This is a long-term investment. Now, how long is going to depend on what your history is, where you're at metabolically, how fast we're able to go. Um, but this is essentially a phase where we're trying to take calories up, feed your body, fuel your body so that it can operate and, and be in an optimal position hormonally, um, digestively, so that you can work on things that, like you mentioned a little bit ago, your relationship with food. Um, the body is not made to be in a restricted state all the time. Okay. You actually should spend more time at maintenance and in surplus. Well, surplus, if you're trying to build, right. Yeah. Then you are restricting. Okay. So we got to get out of this dieting mentality that society has shoved down our throat basically. Mm -hmm. So we work on emotional, um, you know, emotional growth. A lot of people are depressed because they're restricting so much. They, they don't have good relationship with their spouse or their friends or their parents or whoever it might be. Uh, we work on the mental aspect. We work on the physical aspect. We work on the metabolic aspect mm -hmm. and we just get you to a, a really good place to where you're feeling healthy. You're performing optimally. Then when your internal environment is healthy, we can go into an effective fat loss phase. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that people are like, Oh, well, I gain a bunch of weight during this. You probably will gain some weight. Not all weight gain means fat gain, though. Um, typically, what I see with people, because they restrict so much, especially with carbohydrates, is that as we slowly start increasing those over time, you're going to hold on to a little bit more water. Your body's going to rehydrate. And I've kind of started phrasing it like that instead of holding on to water, because that's, kind of that's kind of a phrase that gets a lot of people, right? So I talked to them about rehydrating. That sounds a lot more accepting, right? Um, and that's what allows you to perform optimally. And when you're performing optimally, you're able to grow new muscle tissue. And when you have new muscle tissue, you have more lean body mass, which needs higher calorie uh, intake to support. So I just kind of lay all these things out for people and try to explain it to them in the bigger picture. I love it. And the, there is a lot of fear. I'm sure you you are talking people off the ledge all the time, just like I am. But I think that fear is something that we really have to examine. Why am I so afraid to eat more than 1600 yeah. calories? And I'm being really generous there. <laughs> that's, um, and I think that's one thing that over the last couple of years that I can really remember that I've kind of, I've kind of started changing with my coaching approach is that I, I kind of turn it back on to them, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, we know you're fearful, right? You, you're, you're saying it why like why are you fearful of it and then try to dig into that because kind of like you know talking about my issue that i had years ago earlier is that like you need to get to the root cause mm -hmm. right so yes you might be fearful of this that's great that doesn't tell me anything yeah what what specifically are you fearful for and why and usually when you can get somebody talking the the truth kind of just spits out you know what I mean? If you just get them talking, they're going to eventually, whether they know it or not, they're going to reveal the true, true root cause of that fear. And that's where coaching comes in. That's where you can get the most progress. Because if you don't get that part, you're just putting a bandaid on a bullet hole. Yeah. And they're going to go back to that fear when they're not working with you anymore. And this is something I tell uh, some of my clients that have been with me for two, three, four years at this point, they kind of laugh at this because I've told them and I tell every client at the very beginning when we start, listen, I would love to work with you for two or three or four years, right? But most likely that's probably not going to happen. You know, the average, the, the average coaching stint is probably around a year for most people. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But when you leave me, I want you to feel like you can sustain this. Yes. And like you've learned something, right? Mm -hmm. And some of my clients that have been with me for way longer than that, they're like, you know, I remember when you told me that and I didn't think I was going to be around this long. And I, here I am. I'm like, no, that's fine. That doesn't mean you're not learning something, but everybody has different needs. So yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to like take the guesswork out of it and just have someone. Especially when you work with like, I've worked with a lot of busy professionals, lawyers, doctors, 
things along those sorts, right? It's not that they haven't learned or, or can't do it. It's just that you only have so much mental capacity, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure you deal with this too a lot. I mean, think about, you probably work with a lot of moms, mm-hmm. right? That have multiple kids. I have one kid and I'm stressed out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> and she's at preschool most of the day. <laughs> so it's just all about figuring out as a client, like, what do you need? Like, what are your needs that are going to help you succeed? And then relaying that to the coach and communicating. So. Yeah. I mean, and this is like, as you hear him talk, you can see what an awesome coach he is. Coaches are more than macro calculators and macro updates. That's the easiest part of the coaching job. But it's this stuff that I really want you guys, as you're looking for coaches, this these are the conversation that you need to be having. Um, when it comes to your clients, whenever I'm trying to get someone to buy into the process of, you know, going into this health restoration phase or reverse diet, I always say like, there's no, I've never met anyone that regretted doing a reverse diet. Do, do, do you have that similar sentiment or what do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had anybody say they regret it. I, I do have plenty of people that say they wish they didn't have to go through it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, typically, I mean, if you, now I have had people that, you know, have been going through it and then didn't stick with it and fell off as every coach that's probably listening to this knows they have clients like that right don't blame the reverse diet right exactly and and a lot i've had a lot of people that have tried reverse dieting on their own and not and have regretted it but then came and actually saw and went through an efficient way of going about it and then they didn't regret it so yeah there's always going to be those those people that are like and this has been so uncomfortable in many ways but like I don't think regret is something that they have. I think that they realize, okay, what I was doing for so long wasn't working. I was just pounding myself into the ground with low calories. And this kind of opened my eyes as to, first of all, how unhealthy I was, right? And then second of all, just how fuel in your body just makes everything so much better, right? Like they didn't realize they could train harder. They didn't realize they were, they were not training hard, I should say, right. Until you actually get some fuel and you're not lethargic after two sets in the gym, right? Like you actually powering through, you're actually seeing progressive overload. You're recovering faster so that you can get back into the gym and keep training. So a lot of those things come up, but regrets, not usually one of them. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I would say anyone who's attempting to do it on their own, my guess is you're either going to stop yourself too soon. You're not going to go high enough. You're going to go right back into a fat loss phase or you just won't do it. Well, during the, during my presentation, you know, I, I listed a bunch of hesitations that I always hear from people, right? Like I'm going to get fat. That's a huge hesitation. Um, I can't eat that much because what I do is, is I, I figure out based off of their fat mass, their lean body mass, just their activity factor, I figure out based on the Mueller equation, kind of a range of where they should be if they were metabolically healthy, right? Obviously, if they're needing a reverse diet, they're not metabolically healthy right now. So I, I put in a different number to see kind of where we need to get to. And that doesn't mean we always have to get to that number. It's because maintenance calories is kind of a range. Yeah. It, it, you know, 10, 15% sometimes in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had plenty of people where I've gotten up to their estimated maintenance calories based off the Mueller equation and they were still losing weight. Like we had to go two or 300 calories over. Right. But I've also had people in the other direction too. So lifestyle dieting history all comes into play. But when I figure that number out and I present that to the client, they're like, wow, I, I can't hit that. Yeah. I just had two people in this past, um, 16 week challenge that we just had. Um, one of them won the reverse dieting category. He increased 1300 calories a day a day over double what he was taking no i'm sorry he was at 1500 calories but yeah he he increased over 1300 calories a day gained two tenths of a pound and honestly up until the last four weeks yeah he was still he was still in the negative he he had lost weight and then obviously as you get up there you're going to start putting on a little bit of weight and that's fine yeah um he's he loved the process so much we're still reverse dieting 
And then I also had another guy that we increased 1100 calories and now he put on five pounds, but that's, that's still amazing. Yeah. Small price to pay to actually be able to eat. hundred percent. And we just started his fat loss phase for his wedding in the fall. And, but people will, will see that number. And usually it's a, it's a pretty big number from where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. And they get in this mindset of, I can't eat that much. Right. And I keep telling them, it's not the calories that's your issue, right? Because how many times could you go have two or three bowls of ice cream and get, you know, a couple of thousand calories in or 1500 easily. easily. So what people do is they equate the foods that they're eating in a restricted state with what they need to get to that. And you have to change your food sources. That doesn't mean you have to go out and eat burgers every day and fries and, and, you know, cheeseburgers and all this stuff. But there, you have to make some some changes and some switches. You need to look for more calorie dense options that don't take up more volume, mm-hmm. that are still good. I mean, one of one of my favorite um, my favorite uh, examples for people is so many people eat oatmeal when they're on a, a low calorie diet because it's filling, mm-hmm. right? You try eating enough oatmeal to add another whatever, throw in the number five hundred, six hundred, a thousand calories into your diet you're not going to be able to do it. No. I mean, years ago, like when I was trying to build muscle, I was eating like two cups of oatmeal at a time. <laughs> that was miserable, right? right. What you can do is cream of rice is a great alternative, right? You can get fiber elsewhere throughout your diet, but for about the size of a, a serving of oatmeal, which is a half a cup dry, it makes one cup cooked. Uh-huh. If you did one cup of cream of rice, you're probably getting off the top of my head, you're probably getting over a hundred grams of carbs right there. Yeah. And it digests quicker. So you have to change your mindset during the reverse dieting period. And that's one of the harder things to get people to do, especially if they're in the scenario where they've been restricting for a long time. Now, people that have undergone a very successful fat loss phase, and they're just trying to reverse diet up to a more manageable calorie intake level, those people don't usually have quite as much of that mental hang up because mm-hmm. they didn't do, they didn't go through the fat loss phase in a irresponsible way. Right. You know, you're most, everybody is going to have to reverse diet at some point, right? Because yeah. you're going to go through a fat loss phase. You're probably going to get low in calories. You're not going to be able to stay there. No. So reverse dieting isn't just for people who are, you know, mm-hmm. The yo-yo dieters or, or year, years long of restricting, it's for everybody. Yeah. So we need to understand how to properly implement it so that everybody can be the healthiest, most fit version of themselves that they can be. Yeah. We always say, if you're going to do a fat loss phase, this is our verbal agreement that you are committed to the reverse diet or you're going to go right back up into diet. maintenance. Yeah. It's the diet after the diet. Yeah. The diet after the diet. It's, and I will say, um, anecdotally for me, each reverse diet, it just goes faster and it's easier. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that, is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've had some clients where I've gone through multiple reverse diets with them. And I think it, I don't, I don't have any evidence that metabolically it, it, it's, it's that way. I think it's because you're more comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's more of an anecdotal thing. Like you're not as resistant to yep. it. You're also, I mean, if you think about it, I guess we can kind of look at this from a physiological standpoint. Like if you've already undergone one, you probably put on more muscle mass during it. So you have more overall lean body mass. You go through a fat loss phase. Hopefully you do that in an efficient way. So you hold on to as much of that lean body mass as possible. So as you're reversing up, you're now reversing up with more lean body mass than you did the first time you did it, which of course we know more calories are needed to support it. Your body's going to eat it up more. Right. So that would be my, that would be my explanation as to why it probably gets easier. But I think a lot of it is mental as well. Like you're just, you're not scared Mm -mm. of it anymore. You understand the process. You understand it's an, it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that every phase is important. Yeah. The, the, the fat loss phase is important for, you know, certain reasons. Yeah. The reverse dieting or health restoration phase, like I like to call it, is, is equally as important. Absolutely. So to the real meat and potatoes of why I wanted to chat today, I don't even know who says this or who did the research, but there 
there's this rumbling or whatever that reverse dieting is bunk and it's not needed and it just keeps you in fat loss longer. And I want to have this conversation because people ask me about it all the time. So do you know the argument being made? And then we'll talk about it. Well, I've heard of it. I have not had a chance to read any studies or anything as far as what it refers to. However, I'm going to kind of approach this from, from both angles. Number one is a reverse diet needed. Maybe not in the way everyone's thinking about it. Okay. So this might be one of those cases where terminology is getting mixed up. Um, or at least just people not understanding what scenario they're in and what their bodies need. So once again, I'm trying to get away from using the term reverse dieting and more health restoration, because I think that's going to clear up a lot of this confusion. Yeah, I think okay? so too. So we've talked about people being in a severely restricted state for a long time or yo-yo dieting. All right. Clear evidence that their metabolic rate, their BMR is just a lot lower than it should be. Okay. Now, those people might still be overweight. Okay. They also might still have issues with food mentally. They might not have habits that are conducive to going right back up to maintenance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So once again, reverse dieting, health restoration is not just about the calories. And that's where I guess my, yeah. uh, my argument against whatever this, this other person saying would come in is that it's not just about the calories, yeah. right? There's behavioral things that we need to work on. Yeah. You can't just jump up. I'm just going to throw out a number here. You can't just jump up 600 calories to where maybe you, a calculator says you should be and expect that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Now on the flip side of that, maybe some people can, maybe some people need to do that. It all comes down to what does the client need, right? I've had people that, okay, they've, they've gotten a prep. Prep is a great example, okay? Really low in calories. They feel like crap at the end. Everybody who's gone through a prep understands you look the best, you feel the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> people have, you know, I've had men that have had very, very low testosterone issues, which is very typical, all right? I also have, you know, those people might have a longer goal where they're like, okay, I did this prep. Now I'm going through a building phase and I'm going to do it again. Those people, not only hormonally and, and physiologically might need to jump up to whatever the calculated maintenance is. Mm -hmm. They also can mentally handle it. Yeah. So that would be my argument is that I think whoever's saying this, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they're trying to deceive people, but I don't think that they are thinking about it in terms of all the other benefits that, that the health restoration phase, reverse dieting provides for people because not everybody is mentally equipped to make that jump from, let's say a thousand calories, just under eating up to maybe their calculated maintenance should be 2,100. Yeah. That's a ridiculous ask for somebody who gets freaked out to go to 1,100. And that's a real life scenario. Like what you just said, that happens all the time, right? I knew it's coming to you all the time, meaning a thousand calories, you know, they're five foot seven, weigh 140 pounds. They need yep. to be 2,100. And, 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 you know, yes, you would like to think those people, those people obviously are probably in a position where hormonally everything's thrown off to maybe thyroid issues, testosterone issues, estrogen, whatever it may be. Right. And yes, you, you might think that would be the best thing for them from that standpoint to get up there quick but are they going to even be able to sustain it oh yeah and are they just going to slash calories again mm -hmm. go back down and then actually put themselves in more of a hole mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't know this person who who was saying this and i don't definitely nothing personal against him because i don't know him and i haven't read anything that he said I would just say that sa the sounds of it is that he's just looking at it from a metabolic standpoint mm -hmm. and not from a, a mental, emotional, habitual standpoint. To which, I mean, yeah, I think you and I both agree that is like the best part of it. It's one of the m biggest benefits. Well, it, it, I think it's the, I think it's the most, uh, it's I right hard up to there say. metabolically <laughs> because if, if you can get up there, if you can get those calories built up and, and, you know, you're metabolically 
healthier, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have the skills to sustain that, you're going to end up in the same spot again. So what was the point of going through that six or eight or 10 month reverse diet to just end up in the same position and not learn anything? You know, it's, what's that old saying or quote? It's, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the perfect, perfect quote for this because we're going to get to the destination, right? But, you know, are you wanting to take a plane there or are you wanting to go on a road trip and see all these nice little things and learn things, stop by the Grand Canyon, stop by, you know, the biggest ball of yarn and experience things <laughs> along the way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, that's where you learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't learn. And that's why I don't do drastic fat loss yeah. phases with people. Preps, I mean, prep is a different beast and that's a, that's a short-term goal-oriented you know, phase. Yes. But the way I always handle my coaching and why you're not going to see, you know, these 50 pound weight loss in 30 days from me is because that's, that's not what I, that's not what I got into this for. Mm-hmm. All right. You said it a little bit ago. Anybody, anybody could put numbers on a page. That's not coaching. Mm-hmm. All right. There's, there's great apps out there that can help you do that. But I've seen so many people go to those apps that can't follow it and aren't having success because they're, they don't realize what they need. Mm-hmm. Right. They think, Oh, okay. I can just hit these numbers. But then when they actually get into it, they're like, I don't have the habits to stay disciplined to this. I don't, I don't know actually what good protein sources are. I don't know this or that I'm afraid of fats or I'm afraid of carbs. And that's the value in coaching right there. One-on-one coaching is to be able to work on the bigger picture. It's really teaching. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I tell people I, I'm an, I'm a coach, but I'm an educator. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I mean, you have to be. People don't know how to eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of it, you know, I think there's a lot of people like that, that don't know how to eat, but I also think, and, and this is just from years and years of talking to a lot of people. I, I think people know what they need to do. Mm. I think that they're either afraid of doing it or they, they just need some guidance on how to set it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask anybody and I, I hate to use the word good food or bad food, like I, I'm actively not saying that stuff, but for argument purposes here, somebody will ask me, you know, what's a good food to eat, mm-hmm. right? Or, or I can't eat that. That's a bad food. There's no good food or bad food. There's just food. Okay. Now, obviously we, we want to stick to more micronutrient dense options, whole food sources, things like that. But that doesn't mean a burger and a couple slices of pizza is a bad thing, right? Oh, yeah. Teaching everybody, teaching everybody the role that nutrition has and the role that food has in your body and how it's, it's made to enhance your life, not detract from your life. All of that is part of the reverse diet health restoration phase. And and I think these people that might be arguing that it's maybe not a metabolic advantage, Mm -hmm. maybe they're right. Maybe they are right, right? Because actually I would say maybe, I would probably agree because if the the end goal is to get up to a certain calorie mark, right? If that was the only end goal, Mm If you do it right away, or if you take time to do it, the end goal is still the same. You're still going to get to the same spot. Mm-hmm. Can you sustain it though? Have you built those habits along the way? And that's what I would argue. And I know that's what my colleagues would argue is equally as important as that end goal. Absolutely. Well, like you said, you I, I had to look up your Instagram. I, you made this post two days ago and you said, if you feel guilty about having a Dairy Queen blizzard occasionally, it's time to rethink your nutritional approach. And I was just like, double tap, share, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's so- I wish different. that did something for the algorithm, but I appreciate you know? <laughs> it. Um, I mean, it's true. And and I mean, as if anybody reads the book, it's called A Shell of Myself. It's on Amazon. It's the book I wrote. You will see how, how crazy- my OCD and my orthorexia got like, I go into probably more detail than 
you know, three years now removed from it than I probably wish I would have gone into, but it was a fact like it needed to be said and it needed to show the highlights of how, you know, poor, poor relationship with food and OCD and all this stuff, how much that draws from your life, oh, yeah. right? It just draws you down and it sucks the life from you. Feels your life. And, and, and that's the sort of stuff that I find more people at this point, Honestly, Kylie, I, I would have to go through. I've probably coached 600 people or more mm. in my years. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the ones that, I don't want to call them difficult, but the ones that I have had to have more work put into uh-huh. is not because they don't know what to do. Yeah. It's because they don't trust themselves. Yep. And they don't really understand. They've gotten so much mixed signaling from society or from social media and these people saying, oh, you know, just do this or do that, that have no business giving out nutritional advice, right? Mm -hmm. And it's sad, but that's also what kind of drives us as coaches is to try to overcome that stuff. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, that's the kind of coaching people need more so than hit these numbers or, you know, we're going to make this adjustment this week, add a little cardio here. Um, let's try to progress in the gym and this, and with this lift, like that stuff is really, I don't want to say insignificant, but for, you know, 90% of the people, they, they really, they need to get the macro picture and they're so focused on the micros, Yeah. right? The micros are important and there will be a time, Mm -hmm. but you have to see the bigger picture first. It's so true. Um, like. I have a, a one client in particular right now who's coming to mind and she's in maintenance right now. It's totally uncharted territory, right? She's done such a great job, embrace the reverse diet. Um, but I can see that the questions coming up, like there've been some travel, there was a blizzard, there was a, a beer. Is that okay? Is that okay? It, and there's a lot of that. But like you said, you're building that trust in yourself. So we're really patient with her. And, and it's it's sad that like it's sad that we've gotten to a point in society where and, and I, I I did this post a little while back too. We we trust the chef at a restaurant to make <laughs> our food, right? And and to to the server to bring it out and nothing happened in between, right? We trust people going down the highway 85 miles an hour next to us to not just yank the wheel into our car. We trust all these people that frankly, we we probably shouldn't trust, right? Or, or <laughs> it's less easy to trust them than it is ourselves. Yeah. But we we don't we don't trust ourselves to have a beer at a party, or we don't trust ourselves to go have a piece of cake at our kid's birthday party. Like it's it's sad. And that's that's what got me into coaching. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't this might be people are listening to this and they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to go to him or follow him anymore. But I don't really care what your physical outcome is. Yeah. Right. And I'll have people ask me all the time, clients, like, what do you think I should get to? Like, should I get to this amount of weight or this body fat percentage? I tell them that's not my job. Yeah, That's not my job as your coach. Mm-hmm. My job is to figure out what your goal, you know, figure out from you what your goals are. Are they realistic? What kind of time frame can we do it in? And how can we get you there safe? And efficiently. I don't want anybody to tell me what body fat I should be at. I don't want anybody to tell me what weight I should be at. You know what I mean? And it's like a lot of clients are just, they're not taken back in terms of like offended by it, but they're just like, oh, I never thought about it like that. I just thought a coach was supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to look like. And I'm like, no, I'm here to educate you on how to get to where you want to get to safely, efficiently, and be able to sustain it. And when you go about it the way you're going about it, and that is also how we do things. That's why I had to change the name of my program. The result comes. You, you'll get the thing that you want, but you're doing it for the right reasons and in the right way. Yeah. And, uh, well, and going back to, you know, I was talking earlier as far as um, getting your internal environment. Yeah. Right. Okay. You, you can't expect the external results if your internal environment is not good. Right. Because so many people out there, they're spending seven days a week in the gym lifting and doing all that stuff. 
but they're under eating and their testosterone is low and their hormones are all thrown off. Good luck trying to build any muscle that way. <laughs> right. Yep. I mean, Hey, I was there. I, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you have to, it, if some people listen to this might be into to cars, right? If your engine is not running properly, who cares about the external part of your car? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Enjoy right? that car in your garage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's just, it's kind of figuring out, it's figuring out what the client needs. It's figuring out what's triggering them, what's holding them back and digging at that first. Yep. So what may, what may on paper might only take a five or six month reverse dieting period yeah. may take nine or 10 months, yeah. but that's okay. Okay, because not only is it you're, you you want to get up to a certain calorie level, you want to get your your internal environment healthy, you want to learn the new habits along the way. You also don't want to just hurry and jump right back into a fat loss phase. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have people that after you know, and I, I will be honest with I tell them up front, like based on this, we need to give you at least six months. Yep. Okay, it may be a little bit more than that. Maybe you're an outlier and it's a little bit less, but we need to give you six months. Okay, cool. I'm on board. Two months in. I think I'm ready to start cutting. <laughs> Classic. Always. I'm like, we have only raised you about 150 calories. We have about 600 more to go. <laughs> no, but I did the thing. I'm eating more. I feel really good. And then I have to talk with them like, hey, okay, so let's, let's play with the idea of going into a fat loss right now. Let's, let's talk this through. All right. So you're only about 150 calories higher a day right? You weren't losing weight at X amount of calories. So we're going to have to put you in more of a deficit Mm -hmm. from there, from here. So 150 less to get you back to where you were. And then more from there. Do you remember the conversation we had when you came to me, when we talked about how, if we go down anymore, you're just going to dig yourself more of a hole. So this is where it's so important. and, And I'm sure you do it too, with your clients where you check in with them every week and you have these conversations. It, it's not just, Hey, email me in, in a month and we'll you know, yeah. do something. You have to have these conversations with them and you have to be persistent and remind them about the approach and why, why we're doing this mm-hmm. because we're humans and, and we have this ability to make ourselves believe anything. Right? Mm-hmm. So these, these people that are already afraid of reverse dieting, they're looking for every, every excuse to get out of it. Mm-hmm. as soon as possible. So in their minds, oh, I'm already up 150 calories. Like this is great, right? I've been great for two months and you know, now it's starting to get a little challenging. I think I'm ready to go back into a fat loss phase. And you have to keep reminding them of, of why we're doing this. Keep reminding them that, okay, whatever weight comes on, it's actually going to come off more efficiently if we're done with it, right? And it's not all fat gain. And you know, those are some of the challenges when, when coaching reverse diet. Oh yeah. They're, they're honestly, not short on challenges, but, but they're my favorite ones to coach in, in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I love coaching fat loss too. And I love coaching muscle building, but there's more teaching that yeah. goes into reverse dieting because of the fear and because of just the, the general, like counterintuitiveness mm-hmm. of it. Right. And it, and really, if you think about it, it's not really counterintuitiveness. It's just society for so long has, has fed us lies. Yeah. Right. And people have either forgotten or they never learned how the body operates to begin with. Yes. So I, I love it. I mean, it's challenging, but it's also rewarding. Yeah. The reverse diet is the absolute most rewarding. It is the most challenging for sure, but the most rewarding. Well, speaking about going back into fat loss, I think the one other argument that whoever it is has is that it doesn't necessarily raise your mm-hmm. BMR. Yeah. So can you talk about that? So for as well, in back in the day, we thought maybe if you reverse dieted and you were able to lose weight on, you had to go all the way down to 1200 calories. We thought maybe if you reverse dieted, you'd be able to lose weight now on 1500 calories. But turns out that may not be the case. Can you just talk yeah. about that? And and I actually, I had thought about it after I said it earlier, and I'm glad you brought this back up because I want to reiter, reiter, reiterate something I said earlier or rectify something I said earlier. 
I said that your, your BMR comes way down and that's not what I meant. What I meant is your total daily energy expenditure. Yeah, total daily energy expenditure. Okay. So I want to, I want to correct myself because I was in my head, I was saying what I thought I was saying, but I actually realized it came out the wrong way. Oh, so, perfect. So I agree with this person. It, yeah. it does not show that your actual BMR comes down all that much, mm -hmm. but what happens is there's four components to, to how you burn calories throughout the day. There's your BMR, which accounts for upwards of 65%. I've seen some people say 70%, but 60 to 70% of your total daily energy expenditure. Mm -hmm. Then there's your exercise, which actually is very little. Uh, it's only about 10% of your total daily. So people spend all this time on exercise and it's so, and then you have your NEAT. So your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So you guys are watching on YouTube. I'm moving my hands around. This would be considered neat, right? And then digesting of food. So it actually, your body, it takes calories. You, you burn calories digesting the food that you take in. That's why, and we can get it. This might be a whole nother podcast as far as, you know, protein and, and the breakdown of that versus carbs and fats. But what I meant to say earlier is the BMR, yes, it doesn't really change, but everything else comes down. And that's why you you start seeing, okay, your maintenance calories aren't your maintenance calories anymore. Mm -hmm. So once again, one of the purposes of the reverse diet, and this, this can be achieved by what they're saying by just jumping calories up because you're, you're going to have more calories. So this is the whole calories in versus calories out thing, but your calories in affect your calories out. Yeah. So if you're taking in more food, you're naturally going to want to move more. Yeah. Right. And so naturally your exercise intensity is probably going to increase. So that number that was really low that came down is going to come up. All right. Uh, your NEAT is going to definitely increase. I mean, I've even seen it as much as um, some people say as much as 800 to a thousand calories a day. Yeah. Now I, I, I don't know how you're really going to gauge that unless you're really monitoring everything you do. But the point is that it's a significant amount of calories per day more that you're burning, right? And then digestion, I don't really know how much that portion of it changes because, I mean, if you're still eating. However, if you're under eating, your digestive system is not as active. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would imagine that those numbers come down too. And as you start eating more, you have more activity. It has more job to do, right? Mm -hmm. So it isn't necessarily the BMR. I agree with that. But those three of the four other factors are huge. Now they do only add up to account for 30%, you know, 40 to 30 to 40%. But that's 30 or 40% of your calorie burning. Like that's not a small number. No. Right. It's just, you know, you, there's that one component that's the big number mm -hmm. and all these other three add up. But I mean that's that's just significant there. So in essence of what he's saying, could all that stuff be improved by going up in calories just to maintenance? Or your perceived maintenance at 100%. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. But once again, I go back to that's not the only point of right. a reverse diet. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that would be my argument all day long. Yeah. I, I think some people would benefit from that. I do. And I've had people where, like I used the prep example, right? Where um, they just needed to feel better and they mentally could handle it. They, they've been doing this for years. They, they're bodybuilders, right? Like they can handle this. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a position to do it. Majority of people who I work with, who are coming, you know, losing a significant amount of weight, we're teaching them new lifestyle skills, new habits along the way. They, they don't need necessarily to jump up right away to that because they, they need to learn things along the way that are going to help them sustain that long-term. Um, and most well, of the time, the people that I've taken through, you know, like a successful fat loss phase, they're, they're just trying to get up to a more comfortable calorie level that they can sustain on a daily basis. You know, they might not be looking to get up to what the Mueller equation says yeah. is their maintenance. And that's fine. I mean, everybody has, I say there's two different maintenances, right? There's, there's the, the calculated metabolic maintenance, and then there's what you can actually maintain and, and feel good and enjoy your physique. And you're not you know, you're kind of, some days you might gain a little weight, some days you might lose a little weight, you're kind of in that fluctuation. So there's kind of two maintenances, in my opinion. But yes, in terms of the BMR changing, there isn't a whole lot of data that shows, um, shows that, but those three other categories are huge. And I feel like too, 
there's just no way I could talk someone into making that big jump right off the bat. I just don't think I could do it. No, you're not going to talk somebody into that. It's either they already just have the idea like, okay, I'm good with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or I wouldn't even bring it up because it's probably going to freak them out. Yeah, totally. It reminds me of, remember Stephanie Buttermore, how she did her all yeah. in thing? Like that would be an example, right? I mean, kind 100%. of. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know Stephanie personally. I mean, I, I've kind of known her throughout the years and stuff like that. Um, you know, she, I think she did that for, because of hormonal issues and some, some health issues. Yeah. Um, that might've been the best approach for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know she gained a bunch of weight and she documented that all. And, and now she's healthy and she's back, she's back down to a, a very athletic, you know, good physique for most people's standards. Right. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you have to be willing to sacrifice like, okay, health-wise, I'm not, not in the best place. I know that if I go slow, I'm going to still feel like crap for a long time. And then I will get, I will get better. Or I can just go ahead and, and understand I'm going to put some body fat on, jump up there. But that's a decision that, that the person has to, well, the person and the coach, they have to decide what is best for the client. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie... I don't know her personally, but she's, she's been, she's smart. She's been around the industry for a long time. She's probably, she probably weighed all those options and realizes, okay, like I can, I have the habits in place. I know what I need to do. Okay. So like when I come back down, I'll be able to sustain that. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people, they don't have those habits and those skills built up and they need to go slower. Mm -hmm. So it's really everything that a coach does should be very client dependent and client driven, um, not just looking at it as, as this big balloon of like, Hey, this is good for everybody. All yeah. right. This bubble, this is not, this bubble's not right for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So that's how I try to approach it. I, I think that there's benefits to jumping up under the right circumstances, but I think more often than not, people would benefit from a slower, slower journey. I agree. But the end, the end result is the end result. It, it, it's still getting to the same place. So it's so true. Yeah. Which way you want to take the scenic route or you want to take the highway? I don't mean- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is such a great conversation. I know that you just cleared up a lot of things for people because I, I was, I wasn't frustrated when I heard this. I was like, shit, shit. Have I been telling a lie? Like what's going on? And so I don't mean to interrupt you, but so don't worry. Don't ever feel like that. Okay. Because for the longest time I was, I was telling people because it was the best information we had at the time that diet breaks were very, very good for a metabolic increase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually part of the research team at USF that did research on diet breaks as a diet break group and another just continuous fat loss group that um, they they dieted for the same amount of weeks. Now, obviously the diet break group went a little bit longer because of the diet breaks. Mm-hmm. There was no significant uh, increase in more fat loss in one or the other. Mm-hmm. And th- uh, they retained basically about the same lean body mass. So that was one of those things I had to change my my opinion on based on research. And I'll tell this to people all the time. Unless somebody's just blatantly lying to you, they're they're giving you the best answer that research has to date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing with that study is we did that a few we did that years ago, and it just came out and got published. Oh man! So people also have to understand that research, published research, takes a long time to actually get published. So there could be things right now that are have been researched and concluded that maybe we should do things a little different that might not come out for another year or two. So evidence-based approach is always evolving. Don't get on somebody, once again, unless they are just actively trying to, you know, uh, to steer you in the wrong direction. Don't get on a coach or, you know, someone on social media who's, who's trying to help you, who has changes in their, their theories or philosophies 
as time goes on, because that actually shows you who a professional is totally. because they, they let the research guide them instead of being dogmatic in any one approach. Now with diet breaks, for example, I tell people, listen, we can throw them in if you need a mental break, right? Or maybe you're just really tired and you just need a little bit of energy. Maybe you're going on vacation and you know it's going to be hard to stick. Those are all reasons why we could throw in a diet break. Yeah. If you're doing it, if you're, if you're wanting one because you think it's going to be metabolically more advantageous, that's not the case. Yeah. So we could do 16 weeks of straight dieting, or we could do... 20 weeks of dieting with some diet breaks in there, you're going to get to the same result. It just depends on how are you feeling along the way and what do you need? Some people need that break from the monotonous dieting period. I get it. It's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. If you want to do that, especially if you're not in a time crunch, Yeah. right? So there, there's multiple, multiple ways to get to different endings or to the same. I, I like the diet break. I like adding, you know, for the mental, like you have that carrot dangled out in front of you. You're like, okay, I could do this. <laughs> and that, that is a strategy I use it. Like, I'm like, okay, let's, let's hit it hard for four weeks uh -huh. and you know, you're going to have a break, mm -hmm. right? Cause you can, you can do anything for a certain amount of period of time. If you know, you're going to have a break. Yeah. Now it's that hitting it hard, hard, hard. And then never knowing when you're going to get a break. That's, that's tough. That's but a with, those, with those types of people, I don't like to go aggressive anyways i like to do more gradual so that you're not hitting that wall yeah and you don't need that diet break to kind of get re-energized a little bit and get get your focus back so knowing yourself as a client as a coach knowing your client those two things are gonna you're going to find success if you are client driven and client focused and you just follow the best evidence-based research that is at the time. And you got to take that research and you got to take the client, you got to mesh it together. Yep. All right. Because not all the research is going to apply to every client and every client has a different lifestyle. So you've got to find that mesh where it's going to come together and you're going to have an effective and efficient strategy. So, well, I got one last question for you. I, I actually wanted to ask you this in Florida, but we ran out of time. What do you do when you have a client, if you've ever had one, that like they they have a hundred pounds to lose? Oh yeah. Can they stay longer in that deficit? How do you approach someone like that? Yeah, actually, one of my one of my more uh, I don't want to say famous clients, but one <laughs> of the clients I've talked about quite a bit, um, Randy. He came to me at five hundred pounds. Okay. We got him down to one eighty. Jesus. He's not the only one, but that's the biggest, that's the biggest drop. And we did it in about a year and a half. Now he was in a position where he was, he was taking in a lot of calories. So mm -hmm. we had a lot of room to come down. Okay. But typically speaking, yes, you can keep people that are obese in more of a deficit longer. Granted, they can sustain it and they're still operating well and they're, they're feeling good. Okay because they they're drawing from the stored body fat for energy mm -hmm. right now i still think and i still implement a calorie floor with every client and i still do that with my heavier clients as well kind of a, a place where hey point of no return we're not going past this right those types of individuals granted they're feeling okay granted they can sustain it I'm not saying you should push it down to that calorie floor. However, it's a lot safer to do it with those types of clients than somebody who's at like 10% body fat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And men, maybe 16, 18% for women. Right. So yes, uh, I would be more comfortable keeping them in more of a calorie deficit for longer. Mm -hmm. Now, even people that are in that situation where they have a lot of weight to lose, right. They might start feeling the mental mental effect of dieting and, and the fatigue and stuff. Just because you have the energy reserves, we're, we're human. We get into this monotonous you know, routine. We're going to lose focus. It's okay, in my opinion, and I've done this, to give someone who's still got a lot of weight to lose a one-week diet break. Okay. Now, I may not take them up quite as much as I would somebody who who's lower body fat and, and, you know, have more calories and stuff, but 
it's still okay um, to go ahead and take them up and give them that little mental refresher. Maybe you also pull back on some cardio that week. Yeah. I like to do that on my diet breaks with people is simultaneously take calories up and pull back on cardio so that we can lower those cortisol levels and just get your body refreshed. Yeah. That way, when you do come back the next week, you're mentally more into it. You're going to push harder because of it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have better performance. So. So with that time frame, I mean, did he take, did he reverse diet within that time frame and then go back into a deficit or was he just No, we reverse dieted after that. After that. That's so he spent he did he spent a long time. But this is also someone that was starting around five thousand calories. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's why I'm saying his case is is slightly different. That's why I wanted to to emphasize like even with somebody in a different scenario, you could still throw in some diet breaks if need be. Mm -hmm. He never needed it because we were starting from such a high calorie mark. I mean, we didn't even get him down. I don't think we got him down under 2,400 calories, right? So like, now that's for a man at, he's about six, two or six, three, I think. Oh, okay. That, that, I mean, that's, that's a low amount. Yeah, that's a low amount. But it's not like crazy. You're not in the teens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then afterwards we reverse dieted him up. Um, I, I'd have to look at his sheet. I can't remember the exact numbers. But we got him back up to around, I want to say 3,000 or 3,200, and he was comfortable yeah. at that. Now, based on his 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 stats and stuff, he probably should have been a little bit higher, but he was 3,200 calories was a good number for him. He liked the way that he was looking. He felt good. He felt confident. It wasn't unhealthy. So yeah, yeah because of where he started from, we didn't really do any diet breaks and stuff, um, and we reverse dieted him after, but most people, and I'll tell this to people that have a lot of weight to lose that you might not lose it all in one fell swoop. Yeah. Like depending on where you're starting calorie wise, I'll have a lot of people start, you know, I'll just use guys, for example, they'll, they'll be at like 2,800 calories already. And they've got 50 pounds they want to lose. Well, we'll lose as much as we can and still, until you start becoming metabolically adapted. Yeah. And then we may need to do a reverse dieting period for a while, health restoration. And then we take the rest of it off after that. And that doesn't mean you failed. That doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just, it's a difference of starting at 5,000 calories or maybe 2,500 calories, yeah. right? You're, you're only going to be able to get so much out of your, where you're starting from. And I can't change where you're starting from if you're coming to me. Yeah. So I'm just honest with people like, Hey, this is how much I, I think we can get off at this point. I may be right. I may be wrong. We'll, we'll see. But no matter what it is, when we realize you're starting to metabolically adapt, we have to go through a reverse diet. We're going to try to limit the weight gain along the way, get you healthy. And then maybe we're able to take another 20 or 25 pounds off. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like you're coming down. All right. You're tired. Let's give a little bit, not all the way back up here. Right. Just a little bit. And then we take more off. And I, I just try to, I try to be as illustrated as possible with people because, you know, sometimes words get lost, but when you kind of break things down into ways that they can grasp it a little bit more. Um, that's where I see the buy-in coming a lot more. So absolutely. I mean, you can do it once the right way or just keep banging your head against the wall. That vicious circle. <laughs> the vicious circle. That's that, you know, people have been doing it for decades of their life and they can't figure out why they can't lose weight. Well, let's try a new approach. New right. Approach. Let's not keep banging our head against the same brick wall. Let's uh let's get a sledgehammer this time and bust through that wall. Yeah. All right. I, love it. Mean, I need I need a graphic of you with the sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, I've got one out there that I used to bang on tires and stuff. So I love it. Oh, David, thank you so much for this great conversation. Like I said, I know it's helping a lot of people. You just sharing your story and educating all of us. You're an amazing coach and I'm so grateful for you. Well, thank you. And thank you for your friendship. And for those of you guys that don't know, I met Kylie back in January of 2018. She came down to a seminar that Lane and Holly and I did in, in Miami. I was just kind of helping them out. At the, it was their seminar. I wasn't even presenting at that. And uh, you, and there's still a handful of people from that that seminar that I still keep in touch with. And um, you the most though. I mean, you. it's been five years now and uh, you're still coming to our seminars and we appreciate you. I love and, that. And I've, I've learned so much from you guys, you know, um, 
I think we have a good team. I, I, you know, our, our coaching team, we're, we're all really close. We all support each other. And, you know, we all, we all want the same thing. We all have the same philosophies and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we love it when people stick around and, and, you know, come to our seminars and come down to meet us and, um, we get to know y'all a little bit better. I mean, obviously for you, I've known you for a long time now, but, um, I hadn't really actually, we hadn't caught up in person in five years. I mean, we keep in touch this way and on social media, but it was so good to see. I, I was telling, um, I was telling Kylie when I got done my presentation, we had this little kind of 15 minute break. She came running up to me. I said, I didn't know you were going to be here. I caught you out of the corner of my eye when I was up there presenting. And I almost wanted to just stop and say, Kylie, but I was professional. I you were professional. You and then afterwards we had the hug at it. So it was wonderful. Well, thank you again. And I hope that I see you before another five years. It, I think we will. I think yeah. we'll be We'll be okay with that. I love it. Well, hey, how can we get a hold of you? I mean, I know where to get a hold of you, but you tell the people. Where can we find you? Um, I'm the most active on Instagram um, at Coach David Mathis, uh, M A T H A S. Uh, everybody spells it with an I, but it'll pop up if you put in Coach David. Um, YouTube, it's just David Mathis. Um, I'm going to start getting a little bit more active on that. And then uh, David at biolane.com. If you have any coaching or just questions or anything like that, um, those are probably the, the biggest ones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you and also a link to your amazing book. And I hope to talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. David, you too. Bye. As always, thank you for tuning in to Far From Perfect. If you would like to support the podcast, which I would totally appreciate, share it. Share it with a friend so that they can, you know, start to learn more about what health really is because it's not a look. It's not just a look. Also, you can rate us. Rate us on iTunes. I wish you could rate on Spotify. You can't do that, but you can share the link from Spotify. And then finally, the partners that... I work with number one, Outwork Nutrition Supplements. Use my code Kylie to save 10% on your first purchase. As you know, I use their pre-workout and recovery drink, which has creatine in it. Also, depending on when you're listening to this, well, it doesn't matter when because it's always self-tanning season. <laughs> Glow Pro Self Tanner. Use code Larson to save 5% there. And then of course, Beauty Counter all year round, whatever you need, body, makeup, personal care. It's my jam. And it has been since 2016. There is a link to my personal site in the show notes, along with links to glow pro and outwork nutrition supplements. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.